This, this is the second, second Story Podcast. On this week's Second Story Podcast, Sarah is getting married right in the midst of a stressful downward spiral. She bears it all to her therapist, but what happens when an uninvited eavesdropper intrudes? This story, titled Privacy Please, was performed at Second Story in the Underground Wonder Bar on February 23rd of 2013. The theme of the evening was People Get Ready, Stories of Transition. And now, Second Story proudly presents Miss Sarah Zamatis. crowded Michigan Avenue lunch rush to head to work, I checked my phone. Being a bride was really stressful, and with one week until the big event, there was always a loose end calling me to be tied up. But I was shocked to see my screen flashing 32 missed calls. So I unlocked the keypad to see who was dead. All of the calls had come from my best friend, Nicole, in very short succession over the course of the last hour. But there was only one voicemail. As I listened, my stomach began to turn inside out. I don't know where you are or who you're talking to, but how dare you air my dirty laundry in public? I don't, it's none of your damn business who I sleep with. You better call me back and fast. I began to retch. Oh no, oh no, here it comes. I threw up all over the sidewalk, sullying the glamour which is the magnificent mile. (laughs) After spoiling my passerby's lunch plans and several pairs of their shoes, I grasped a building's historic facade to steady myself as my mind raced back through the previous hour. I had been in my weekly visit to the therapist. A few months prior, I had started going to see Dr. Beardstroker. (laughs) Because my life seemed to be spinning out of control and I was searching for answers. Unfortunately, he didn't have any answers, only more questions. How do you feel about that? (laughs) I felt like he didn't give a shit about me one way or the other. But today I needed to unload and his office seemed like the safest spot. I came in through the heavy brown door as Dr. B.S. turned off the ringer to his phone, which he always did as the session began, and it struck me as odd every time. Why was his damn phone on? Wasn't he just with another patient? Is he really just recording our conversation? I beelined directly to my spot, right in the middle of his brown leather sticky couch. With some great relief, I removed my messenger bag, which was stuffed to overflowing with every detail of my impending wedding. And then I launched into my laundry list of bridal bullshit issues, like, she's just being a whiny bitch, and I don't care if they're angry that they weren't invited, and my rant was punctuated with vicious hand gestures. Screw them if they think I should postpone the wedding and go to rehab. (laughs) I know, I know. Side note, (laughs) another reason I was seeing BS was that my friends and I, well, we like to party hard. Like, hard. Like, kind of need to take a clarity break, hard. But reasons to go out and stay out seem to just keep popping up, like, it's Tuesday, or the sun is out. (laughs) So back on the couch, I landed on the issue that was really bothering me the most. 
So, Doc, last week, Mike and I were flying down Lakeshore Drive at 5 a.m., and he decided to turn my convertible into a confessional. He told me that he and Nicole slept together. Oh, wait, before you freak out, Mike is not my fiancé. <laughs> Mike is my best friend from, like, forever. He actually introduced me to my fiancé. Quick visual, Mike dresses like a homeless hipster. He has baggy workman jeans and layers of flannel shirts and these fingerless gloves that hold his omnipresent cigarette. Mike tried to explain things to me. They were drunk, he thought. Why not? I'll tell you why not, Doc. She's married. I get the attraction part, right? She's mysterious with this long, dark hair and these big brown eyes, kind of like Betty Boop. And, and she's funny. She's like fall out of your seat laughing funny. Now, he said it's over, but she made him promise not to tell me. Not her husband, me, her best friend. She and I tell each other everything. We, we, we have matching tattoos. And, and now I notice that she talks about him all the time. And it makes sense, right? She's not just talking about our mutual friend. She's pining for her lover. Oh, and the real icing on the cake? Mike made me swear to keep this a secret, too. I let it all out, knowing that this was the one space where it was safe to spew all my feelings, the good, the bad, the unspeakable, my sacred psychotic space. It was supposed to be private, but you see... My phone was not a smartphone. My phone was, in fact, a stupid phone. And it was set to vibrate so as not to interrupt my BS session. It also had this neat feature. When the keypad was locked and it rang, you could answer it by hitting any key. So picture this. Phone vibrates. And because it's shoehorned into my bag, Its precarious positioning allows the corner of Wedding Weekly magazine to answer my phone for me. (laughs) Nicole was at the other end of that call, and when she heard my voice in the distance, she strained to listen. And when she got wind of what I was talking about, she continued to listen and call back and listen and call back. And now the shit was hitting the fan because this is what she heard. Nicole is such a fucking bitch! Does she really think I'm going to sit by while, while she just treats me like the village idiot? Hmm, you seem angry about this, Sarah. Hell yes, I'm angry! I share everything with her. We talk, we, talk, we talk about our sex lives in vivid detail. I mean, not things I'm proud of, things I would leave buried, buried deep in the past. But I tell her secrets because I thought we both were sharing. And, and now I'm remembering things. I'm remembering conversations, like this one drunk night. Right after my engagement, she said, do you really believe your marriage is going to work? And I slurred, uh, of course, I'm sure. I mean, I, I know it's going to be hard sometimes, but I wouldn't be getting married to Scott if I didn't think we could work it out together, right? I mean, you and your man work it out. Yeah, I guess so. Right there. She could have told me, but she chose not to. Instead, she chose to take that opportunity to try and shake my belief in marriage. Well, that's all the time we have for today, Dr. B.S. announced. So I wrapped up my rant, and I have to admit, I did feel better for having emptied myself of venom. Until I realized that my private session had been completely overheard by the one 
person I was talking about. Back on Michigan Avenue, I felt paralyzed, standing, standing there next to my puddle of puke. So I called BS to let him know we were found out. Maybe I could hide in his closet for, say, a year or two. But of course, I got his voicemail because he was busy using his fake phone to record his, this session for his memoirs. So I decided instead I'd, I'd just take a walk along the drive. I considered throwing my phone in the lake and then jumping in after so as to avoid this crap fest. And just then, Scott, my fiance, called. Uh, what's going on? H have you talked to Nicole today? She left me a message and sounds, uh, sounds pretty upset. It must be pretty important for her to call me. Uh, Scott was not a fan of hers. <laughs> I used to think it was because he was jealous of our friendship, but in hindsight, it's really that he could just see through her bullshit without even knowing the whole story. He patiently listened as I blubbered out the entire tale. He was always calm, especially when I seemed to be spinning. When I finished, he sighed, Sounds like you need to give her a call. I found a park bench and... I listened to the new messages from Nicole, all in various states of unglued. In her first message, she continued her angry tirade. In the second, she had softened, somewhat. She made it known that since I wasn't her husband, I had no right to be angry. In fact, she informed my voicemail that her husband knew about the affair and had forgiven her. Even he knew about the affair. <laughs> and then there was the simple message. We need to work this out, Sarah. Your wedding is this weekend. I don't even know if I should come. Am I still invited? I don't know. Are you going to an AA meeting tonight? Uh, if not, maybe we could meet for a beer later and talk. <laughs> really? <laughs> she wasn't going to stop. So I put on my big girl pants, and I decided to give her a call, even though I, I had no idea what I was going to say to her. Oh, my God, I am so glad you finally called. Uh, I, I just wanted to let you know that I'm, I'm not actually mad about the affair. I'm just hurt that you didn't tell me the truth. She stammered. I didn't lie, Sarah. Mike told me not to tell you. He said that you're in love with him and that you'd be totally pissed if you knew. Mike is like my brother. <laughs> she continued to sputter, and as I listened to her weaving a thicker web of lies, my spine straightened. She, she knew she had crossed a line that she couldn't just tiptoe back over. But that wouldn't stop her from trying. You have no right to be angry with me about this, Sarah. This is my life, and I will have to live with my mistake. And I'll have to live with the fact that my friend didn't trust me enough to tell me the truth. Wow. That felt like I lifted a line right out of an after-school special. But it did resonate with me. I was disappointed with Nicole, but my anger was misdirected. I was actually angry with myself. I was upset that I had lost me in this relationship. And here I was, about to commit my life to yet another human being. How could I trust my judgment with what was right for me? How could I trust my judgment about anything? Friday was a blur as family and friends arrived from out of town for the wedding. I looked stunning as I walked into the fancy ballroom at the Drake Hotel for my rehearsal dinner, but I felt numb, coasting through, trying to maintain composure. Then, boom, there she was, Nicole, 
sitting next to Mike, vying for his attention, hanging on his every word, laughing too loud. I ran out of the room as if it was on fire. Scott came, came out after me. What's up, baby? How are we supposed to do this? We can't do this. Okay. I felt like I had been punched in the face, and I just wanted to suck him in the gut so he could feel my pain, too. Okay? What do you mean, okay? Did you hear what I said? I said we shouldn't get married. Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> we have the rest of our lives to be married. This relationship doesn't come with an expiration date, babe. If you want to wait, we'll wait. I collapsed into his embrace, and it felt right. Everything else felt wrong, but this, this felt right. The next day, I awoke to rain, washing the world anew. I listened to my heart, took a leap of faith, and started my walk to the altar. There, seated on my left, was my past. It was impossible to miss her as she gazed at me with those sad puppy dog eyes, pleading for reconciliation. I left her behind me as I walked down the aisle toward my bright future. Sarah, settle down. Put your Thank you. Hair on it all. Walk the streets go with cigarettes you That was Sarah Zamatis. This story was curated by Julia Borchert, with a sound design by Eric Hazen and performance direction by Ozzy Totten. If this story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Join us at Webster's Wine Bar on June 9th and 10th for our super fun-filled season finale titled It's the End of the World as We Know It. For information and for tickets, visit us at secondstory.com. That's 2ndstory.com. Second Story podcasts are funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the City Arts Program, the Arts Works Fund, and the Chicago Community Foundation. This Second Story podcast was produced by Amanda Delheimer Diamond, Bobby Badrisky, the Second Story Publishing Committee, Julia Borchers, Eric Hazen, Danielle Ezel, Sherry Pentamone, and myself. I'm Ozzie Totten, and this is Second Story. Thanks for listening. <laughs>